Can you guys just have a seat real quick? I'm not going to try to take too long. We basically had two services turn into one last week. <laughs> I'm going to try to see if we can avoid that, but who knows, it might happen again. Because as I was preparing for this message, I actually I didn't know what, I, I didn't have a plan on what I was preaching on next, and as I just got into prayer, I just really felt like I couldn't get off this theme, this being hungry for God theme. So how many of you guys were here last week? Anybody here last week? Whew. How many of you guys encounter, had an encounter with God last week? It was awesome. I'm just going to pray. I'm just going to take just a moment to pray. Lord, we just thank you right now for your presence. And right now, I just, I just, I just feel this moment where I just need to, to speak this out, that if there's any spirit of pride in this building right now, it needs to leave. There's anything in us that wants to hold back from encountering all that you are and all that who you are. Lord, we just speak that right now. We just open up our hands and open up our hearts to hear from you this morning, Lord Jesus. Hear from you, Holy Spirit. Come speak and breathe through this moment. This is all meaningless if your spirit isn't blowing through this moment. It's all just an empty ritual. Today, we just open up our hearts to you. Last week, if you remember, if you were here, if, by the way, if you, if you weren't, you have to go back and listen to it, but I'm telling you, even listening to it doesn't, doesn't put you where it needs to be. But I talked about how Peter and, and John, they, they could say, these things I have seen and heard because they encountered God and they could give what they had seen and heard. And yet so many of us end up just having a surrogate relationship with God where we've got, we have a substitute so we can't say these things I've seen and heard. We have to say these things they have seen and heard. Whether it be through a book or a podcast or a sermon or whatever. And my hope, I had one goal, and that was just simply to stir up a hunger for more of God. Did anybody have just a little bit of hunger stir up? Just anybody at all? Today, I still have that one goal. <laughs> I, I'm not going to... I'm not going to do anything else. I'm not going to move from this because if we don't have a hunger for God on the inside of us, every Bible study, every formality, serving, community, all of that without a hunger for God really doesn't mean anything. It's what the scriptures talk about, the form of godliness, but not the power. Because if there's no hunger for God in our serving, it, it's really just going through the motions. If there's no hunger for God in our community, it's going through the motions. If there's no hunger for God in our worship, it's just going through the motions. But whenever we go into those deeper places of God, everything else has life. And see, you know when, you know when you're missing it, when you're, when you're serving and you don't feel the life of God. When you're in worship and you don't feel the life of God, when you're going through those things and you don't feel the life of God, I'm just saying it goes down to this very basic thing that we've lost our hunger for God. I'm already off my notes. I've got to get back. Psalm 107 is probably going to become my life verse or something. For he satisfies the longing soul and the hungry soul he fills with good things. God, we want to have a hunger for you. We want to long for you in those deeper places. We want to go deeper places with you. Here's what a hunger for God does, and I, don't freak out about the word I'm going to use, but hunger for God produces revival. 
Some of you guys may have different pictures of what that looks like. When I say revival, here's what I mean by revival. Revival is nothing more than normal life in the kingdom of God. So few of us are living normal life in the kingdom of God that it looks radical to be a part of what normal life in the kingdom of God is. It looks fantastic to us, you know? And in fact, it is fantastic, but you realize as followers of Jesus living in the kingdom of God, the fantastic ought to be normal for us. The the fantastic ought to be normal for us. So in the Old Testament, there were good kings and there were bad kings. You can just read through the Old Testament. You'll see, oh, there's a good king. He was following following after God. He was going for all these things. He had people on the right path. Then there were some bad kings and they were going on their own ways. And for some reason, they put up idols and and every time there, there'd be more, there fewer good kings than there were bad kings, but we find one in uh, Second Kings, and his name was Josiah. They had gone so long not following the ways of God that they had even lost the book of God. For us, we would call it the Bible, but for them, it was, it was the law. The, the book of the law was the Torah. They had gone so long they had completely misplaced it. They didn't even know there was one. And this is God's people. And so one day, somebody's in the back room cleaning. I don't know if that's what they were doing, but they were in the back there just, you know, whatever. All of a sudden, they, they find this dusty old book. And they bring it out to the king. And the king realizes what it is. And all of a sudden... He rips his clothes. It's like Hulk Hogan moment, you know, but it was in repentance. It was just like, that's what they did back then. So don't do that today. If you find a nurse or repent or something, you know, but that's what they did. Basically what happened is this hunger for the living God got birthed on the inside of him. And so he goes and he starts cleaning house. He starts going and he starts getting rid of all the, the, the false gods. He tears down the idols. He go, goes through just with it like, I mean, just goes crazy and just takes out anything and everything that has nothing to do with the living God. And he just creates revival. He's getting things back to normal. But normal seems so different that it seemed radical. And again, can I just suggest that if we have revival here, it's nothing less than normal, but normal seems so different that it seems radical to us. What if we got back to normal? (laughs) 2 Kings 23, verse 24 says, Moreover, Josiah put away the mediums and the necromancers and the household gods and the idols. Basically, he's cleaning the house, everything. That he might establish the words of the law that were written in the book that Hilkiah the priest found in the house of the Lord. Before him, there was no king like him who turned to the Lord. Listen to this with all of his heart. Can you just hear the hunger for God? With all of his heart, with all of his soul, and with all of his might. Isn't this familiar? Isn't this a scripture that, Je- that we read when Jesus saying, you know, all of our heart, all of our soul, according to the law of Moses, nor did any like him arise after him. Hunger for God produces revival in our life. And I'm just going to say that there are so many of us in this room, me included, we need a revival. We're going through the motions and we're, we find that we just don't have the life of God, which should be normal. Now, here's the, here's the thing that's sobering for us, though. A.W. Tozer says this. He says, revivals or any other spiritual gifts and graces 
come only to those who want them badly enough. Every man is as holy and as full of the Spirit as he wants to be. He may not be as full as he wishes he were, but he is most certainly as full as he wants to be. Jesus says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they will be filled. See, there's this hunger and thirsting. Tozer goes on to say this. He says, the problem is not to persuade God to fill us, but to want God sufficiently to permit him to do so. The average Christian is so cold and so contented with his wretched condition that there is no vacuum of desire into which the blessed spirit can rush in satisfying fullness. Woo, that's powerful, right? See, one moment in the presence of God can change things in us that years in our own strength could never do. Has anybody ever had this happen before? I mean, you try on your own. And then all of a sudden, one moment in an encounter where there's that vacuum that God can fill, (laughs) chains fall, freedom comes, joy rushes in, the inexplicable happens on the inside of you. One moment in the presence of God. You see, it's the hunger for God that creates the possibility for revival or the return to normal or the rush in of the Spirit to actually happen. So we went to youth camp a couple weeks ago. I told you that last week, just got back from there. And uh, man, we saw, I, I mean, as a parent, it's an amazing thing. As, as a pastor, it's an amazing thing. Just as a human, it's an amazing thing to watch all of these teenagers encountering God, seeing this happen. And so last Wednesday night, I came in here with the teenagers and I sat here and I, I just kind of opened up the mic and I said, does anybody have something that they would like to share that God did in their life. Well over an hour, one after the other, they came up. I had to shut it down because parents were waiting out in the lobby to pick up their kids. We could have gone on. And I was tempted to just roll that video for today's message. And I kind of pulled back on that because I don't know if everybody is, is gonna be into that or not, but I'm telling you, there's some good stuff. And so what I have done is I've, I've sliced out, we, Jonathan uh, sliced out about 15 minutes, okay? So it's a little bit longer. But I believe there's power when we hear young people testify of what God has done in their life. And so we're going to hear just a couple stories. I wish I could share all of them with you. Maybe I'll share some more next week. But here's just an example, just a sampling of what happens when somebody gets hungry for God, that God can break in and do what nothing else can do except for his presence. Let's watch. All right, what did God do with you? Uh, So for like a couple months before camp, I like knew who God was kind of like kind of like not that much and I just knew of him and I knew he was like my father but I didn't really know what that meant and so I I'm like I really like science so science has to have proof you have to have proof for what you have and you have to do multiple tests and so I just never had proof that he was real or I just had faith and faith for me like I was it was kind of enough but it like wasn't balancing out and so the only proof that I ever had like in my mind was that uh, like speaking in tongues like that was just one thing where I was like nobody can speak speak in a different language without 
someone greater than them putting it through their mouth. Like, there's just no way, but I'd never heard it before. I'd never seen any proof, so again, that was just something that I thought, maybe it was made up, maybe it was just something, an extra part, but I'm not exactly sure. And this was kind of a reoccurring thought, but I never prayed about it, because again, I didn't want to make God mad or anything. And so I think it was mm, Wednesday night in the sermon, he was like, um, God's not afraid of your questions. He's not afraid of your confusion. And I was just kind of like, that's weird because that's exactly what I was thinking. But, um, and so then that after the sermon during the worship, then I felt it's like this guy come up to me and he like kind of like his like shoulders like kind of by me, but he didn't put his hand on me or anything. And he just started speaking through tongues. And then I just felt, um, like the flood of Holy Spirit through me more than I'd ever felt before. Usually it was just like a small tingle, but I was just like shaking like uncontrollably. And then I went back and I just bawled for like a long time, a long time. (laughs) So uh, yeah, so now it's just like, now I know he's there and he gave me the proof. And it was just like really funny how it happened because I think he's a father. Um, He's like my father and everyone else's father and he has a sense of humor and he's great but he can show it in a cool way so So it's like so it's like uh, when you've had an experience like that you can't ever deny that yeah like that's that's something God's done in you and you can't ever walk away without you're like something happened there God did something there yeah all right come on let's give her a big hand okay is it is it loud enough yes okay um so it was Wednesday night, and God was telling me to get on the floor, and I'm just like, no, I'm not getting on the floor. This is a reoccurring thing, yes, it isn't is. it? Yes, it is. It's very much a reoccurring thing. So I was resisting for like five minutes, and he's like, fine, I'll make you. So two seconds later, Dylan comes over, and he puts his hand on my shoulder, and unlike Dylan, I tried to resist, and I held it for like one second, and I just crashed on the floor. So, um, before I tell you the next part, I need to give you a backstory. When I was four years old, uh, my dad was killed in a helicopter crash in Iraq. Um, I could never really forgive anybody after that. Um, So, when I was on the ground... I start crying, and I don't know why. I mean, he wasn't on my mind or anything. And then he just tells me, you need to forgive him. And I was like, no, because the him was the guy who killed my dad. And I was like, no way. So, like, about another five seconds of resisting, um, I felt these hands go on my back. And I was like, what is this? I've never had this before. And then I realized, like, okay, I need to forgive him. And so I was able to forgive him. Uh, I was able to forgive him, and it's just, I was really feeling the presence of God for the rest of the week. Like, it felt like I was right next to him. That's amazing. That's awesome. Come on, can we give Jesus a big hand for that? So as I was like hearing you all speak, I was noticing like a theme and I kind of feel like it was like same theme through like the whole week. Like even before we went to camp, we were like praying for freedom. And I'm like, even through like hearing like all your stories, 
I'm just like sensing more freedom and there's just so much freedom. But I feel like, okay, an experience that happened to me during the week was, it was kind of like Dylan's and a lot of you guys, like I was having trouble feeling, having trouble like experiencing what I was like expecting to experience. Like um, what happened last year, like breakthroughs, I had breakthroughs last year. And so like I wasn't getting that in the way I thought I should be getting that. And so I was kind of beginning to like doubt God, which I know we're not supposed to do, but it was like something in me wanted to just doubt that he would like come on me and to like fill me the way I wanted him to fill me. And so in our room, Kelsey was like, what's something you want to happen by the end of the week? And so we would like voice it in our groups, like um, something that we wanted to happen during the week, and I was like, is this wrong? Like, I don't think this is wrong, but I want to feel, like, I want to feel God, and so, like, even during, like, worship sessions and, like, things that were happening, it was, like, having trouble feeling, like, I know, like, I was still going to worship God, even if I didn't, like, feel something the way I, like, wanted to feel it, but I was, like, determined, God, I want to feel you, like, I want an encounter with you, and so, um, one of the, it was, like, altar call or something, And was like, go to the front if you want to experience the Holy Spirit. And I was like, is this for me? Okay, I think this is for me. But I was like, in my mind, I kind of thought that I was like a leader, even though I was like kind of the same age. But I was like, no. God was like, no, you need to go. Even though you're like thinking all this stuff, you need to go and just sit. And so I was just sitting there and I was praying, God, would you speak to me? Would you just, like, I want to experience you. I want to experience you in a new way. And so I was just sitting there, and nothing was happening. But I was like, I was still. And that's another thing, like, God can only speak to us when we're like, our mind is, like, quieted. I mean, he'll use other things, but it helps when we're, like, just still in his presence. And so I was just sitting there, and Becca came to pray for me. It was really good, like, it was really good, but I was still, like, not feeling something, like, like I was expecting. And then I think my brother came over to me, and all he did was just, like, sit there and put his hand on my shoulder. And then I don't even know what happened. It was like he didn't say anything, but all of a sudden, I don't know if he would want me to share this with you guys, but he started crying. And it was just, like, his hand on my shoulder, and then all of a sudden it was, like, I don't know if you've ever experienced, like, vibration, but it was, like, vibration, like, pulses of, like, vibration. I was, like, Dylan, he was, like, so zoned in. I was, like, Dylan, he's, like, (laughs) so I was, like, this is God. Like, he was, like, it was, like, this, I don't even know how to explain it. Like, we're, I'm speechless, but, like, as that was going on, it was, like, this song, and it was, like, I haven't forgotten you. I won't let you down. I haven't forgotten you. I won't let you down. And as that was, like, going, like, I was just, like, feeling vibration. It was, like, I knew God hasn't forgotten about me. And I think all of us kind of experienced that, though, right? At camp, it was just, like, God hasn't forgotten about us. And to not limit God in the way he can speak to us, but he's totally got us, and he sees us, even when we don't feel like he does. So, yeah. That's good. Come on, let's give the Lord a hand. It's long, but... All right, All right, make sure you hold up the mic, okay? Yep. So, All right. All right, so this is your first year to go to youth camp, with us at least, right? Yep. So, all right, what was God doing in your heart? What, what was the big thing that God... Um, I actually had quite a few things. Um, 
One of them was he showed me a vision. And he showed me a vision of my friend, and he had on a mask. And so I was looking at it from afar, and it was like he was in a group of people talking with these people. And he, I took it as the mask as metaphorical, like he's hiding himself, like he's got, he's almost like two-faced. And so then the next thing I know is like I'm standing face-to-face with him, and God says, pull off his mask. So I pulled off his mask, and he just, like, he broke down in the, in the vision, and he just started sobbing. And then he started dancing because he was so happy. He said, I'm free. I'm unchained. And I was just like, oh, my gosh, that's so cool. So I go and talk to him after service, and I said, this is what I saw. And he goes, you have no idea what that means to me. You have no idea. And I, at first I thought, I'm imagining things. This is me and my wild imagination. And he started explaining about what that meant to him in like a little bit of a backstory. And I was like, that's just, whoa, that's crazy. And um, during Friday night, so for those of you who have not gone to camp, before I went, everyone I talked to who had gone to camp talked about Friday night. I'm like, okay, Friday night, what is that? And they're like, when you get there, you'll know. I said, okay. And so Friday night, um, that was just, it was crazy. There was a lot of spiritual awakenings and um, chains were definitely being broken. And so I thought, okay, I hadn't cried all week and everyone else in my tribe had cried. I was like, (laughs) I'm not going to cry. I'm not going to cry. I bet you I'm not. And then Kelsey's like, well, you know what? That happened to me, and I did cry all week, and then Saturday morning, let it all out. I'm like, okay, so I am going to cry, just not now. <laughs> and so a um, little bit of a backstory. So I, my grandpa, so my dad's dad, he and I were very close, and he ended up passing away when I was about eight years old. And so I had become very bitter about it, thinking God took everything away from me, like, God is awful. Why would someone do that to me? And then Friday night, I was down on my knees, and I was just praying. I said, God, show me which seas need to be split. Show me what walls need to be demolished. Show me which chains need to be broken. And he showed me a memory of my grandpa. And at the time, my grandpa was laying in his bed, and he was very sick at this point. But he still had this, like, radiant joy And my grandpa was a very strong Christian, and just, like, you could tell. It was just, like, God radiating off of him. So I just, like, started bawling my eyes out. I was like, oh, my word. And then um, God's like, you need to let this go. Let it go. And so I'm like, God, but I can't. Because the way I explained it to people is, like, every memory I have of my grandpa, I imagine a hand holding on to it like white knuckle death grip, like I'm not letting that go. But I realized that's what was tainting like my spirituality and like my connection with God. God's like, let it go, let it go. I said, okay. And then I let that all go. And just like, then I bawled even more. And then, so Nikki and Megan prayed and I believe Mariah did. I don't know, my eyes were closed, but, um, and just like, 
I stood, after we prayed, I stood up and I looked at Megan and I'm just like, I cried, are you happy now? <laughs> and we got back into our uh, cabins and I started telling her, are you happy now? I cried. <laughs> and so for me, it was just like, God's like, it's not that you don't know what needs to be let go. It's that you do know, but you're not willing to do it. You're very unwilling. It's like you show off your chains. Like you say, here they are. But it's just like, you're like, eh, I'm too lazy to do it. I'll do it later. So one moment in the presence of God changed years of your walk with God. Yeah. Isn't that awesome? It's yeah. It's awesome. awesome. Let's give God a big hand. So I'm not, I'm not advocating that we just sit there and seek after some emotional experience or something like that. What I'm simply saying is that whenever we get hungry for God, God overwhelms us. And when God fills up the space, things change. One moment in the presence of God can change it all. Let me just say it this way. The church is not a self-help center. You know, I mean, it's like you're coming to church because you want to, you know, uh, figure out, okay, how can I have a good marriage? How can I have good finances? How can I deal with difficult people? How can I wrestle with tough topics? If that's why you're coming to church, you know, that's fine. We'll talk about those things from time to time because the Bible talks about a lot of those things. But if that's why you're coming to church, you really have the wrong expectation. If that's why you're coming to church, you, you might as well save some time. It's going to sound strong, but, but I'll say it anyway. You might as well save some time. Go watch a TED Talk. Go to Barnes & Noble. Buy yourself a book. And just save some time. Because here's the thing about revival. Revival is both practical and supernatural. But even the practical things, even the how-tos, are probably more supernatural than you realize if you do it right. It, because, like, let me just read this scripture. Romans chapter 8, verse 5, it says, For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the Spirit is life and peace. So in other words, whenever you get hungry for God and put your mindset on the Spirit of God, what comes into your life? Life and peace. So if you want a good marriage, for example, what you really want is love joy and peace in your relationship. If you want to know how to handle difficult people, what you really want is patience, long-suffering, kindness. And if you're trying to find those things in a formula or in a how-to, you're going to come up lacking. But I can tell you where the fruit of those things come. How many of you guys know where I'm going with this? The fruit of those things are the fruit of having the Spirit of God. You see, even the practical things come through supernatural means if we allow the vacuum of space to be there. Whenever we, we say, God, I, I want to, how do I have a good marriage? Well, I get the Holy Spirit in my life and I start to have the fruit of the Spirit displayed in my life. If I want to have a good relationship with my kids, well, what do I do? Oh, I need some, I need some patience sometimes. I need peace. I need joy. I need all of those things. It's not through a formula when we get a hunger for God and God begins to fill the space. So a, a pastor friend sent me this the other day. 
another quote. It says, where adequate power is present, almost any means will suffice. But where the power is absent, not all the means in the world can secure the desired end. The Spirit of God may use a song, a sermon, a good deed, a text, or the mystery and majesty of nature, but always the final work will be done by the pressure of the in-living Spirit upon the human heart. In light of this, it will be seen how empty and meaningless the average church service is today. All the means are in evidence. The one ominous weakness is the absence of the Spirit's power. Music and poetry and art and oratory, symbolic vesture and solemn tones combine to charm the mind of the worshiper, but too often the supernatural is not there. The power from on high is neither known nor desired by pastor or people. This is nothing less than tragic and all the more so because it falls within the field of religion where the eternal destinies of men are involved. That's a strong quote right there, isn't it? (laughs) All I know is that I want whatever we do when we gather, whatever we do as the people of God to have the life of God flow through it. Not just the form of God, but the life of God. And here's what I believe, and I'll speak this out. I believe that God is beginning to stir hearts of pastors and stir hearts of churches, to stir hearts of people, to have a hunger for more of God. Listen, if I can't speak that out for other churches, I can speak it out for this church. If I can't speak it out for people in this room, I can certainly speak it out for me. That I have a desire to have more of a hunger for God than I ever have in my life. And listen, if we settle for formula over fruit, we're missing it. If we settle for gimmicks over gifts of the Spirit, we're missing it. If we settle for programs over the presence of God, we're missing it. And if we do that, all we have is empty religion instead of real revival. Is there anybody here who has a hunger to see God really do something in our lives? See, the path that God wants us on is not the well-used path of pop psychology or whatever. It's more of an ancient path that's a little bit, sadly, it's unused as much as it should be. It's more of the path of going back. See, revival is really what I say. It's a return to normal, the way God wants it to be normal. But it's just an unused path. God gave me this scripture out of Jeremiah chapter 6, verse 16. It says, Thus says the Lord, stand by the roads and look. And ask for the ancient paths where the good way is and walk in it and find rest for your souls. But there's another line in the verse. (laughs) But they said, we will not walk in it. Which one will we be? That's what I'm challenging. Which one are we going to be? Are we going to be those that stand by the, by the way and we look and we're like, well, this is the way everyone else is going. Or do we look and we say, oh, here's an ancient path where the good way is. I'm going to find rest for my soul over here. I'm going to follow after that. Because one moment in the presence of God can change everything. Let me finish up with this story. I'm going to have the worship team come back up. We're going to get ready to receive communion as we get ready to dismiss. But zero in, if you can, on this, on this story. Because we were at youth camp. And at one point, imagine this with me. Just use your imagination. You can close your eyes if you have to use it to do it, to use that that way. But all of the teenagers and all the adults were in this room, hundreds of us, and they had all got down on their faces on this yucky, sticky concrete floor, crying out to God in worship, just 
soaking up the presence of God. Just picture this, hundreds of them just out. My nine-year-old daughter, Lindsay, is with us all week. She's sitting beside us. And I just laid my hands on her and I just began to pray over her. And then I walked on and come to find out later, she sat there for several minutes in tears, just crying before God. Nine-year-old. And I came back and I asked her later, I said, what happened? She says, I don't know. I just, I looked out and I saw all of these kids crying out before God. And I just began to cry. And I took her and I said, Lindsay, that is the presence of God that you felt. You encountered the presence of God. There's no formula that produces that in your kids. There's no matter of good works that produces that in your kids. There's no, there's, my words can't produce that in my kids. It's only when you get into an environment where God encounters you in a way that only he can. God never intended for us to go through this Christian life never just, just encountering him through pages or people. All those are fine. We can talk all we want about being the hands and feet of Jesus, and we should be, but you know what? We ought to encounter the hands and feet of Jesus ourselves, for real. Getting in his presence. I don't even have an end to this sermon. I just realized that. I have zero end to this sermon. <laughs> I normally do. Can we just stand up right where we're at? And let's just take just a moment. And listen, if you're tired of this topic already, I'm going to pray for you. Because <laughs> we're going to be here another couple weeks, just letting you know. Lord, we just thank you so much for your power and for your presence. We want to be people who are known not just for the form of, but for the power of. We want to be people who don't just work in our own strength to change our problems, to try to have a better life, but we encounter you and through you and your spirit, you flood through us the life of Jesus that comes and transforms us and changes us and radiates through us and causes us to love people supernaturally in ways that we couldn't do in our own strength. It causes us to encounter you in a, in a deeper way. Lord, I pray that that many people here, all, everybody here would have a desire, a hunger stir up on the inside of them to encounter you so that we have something to deliver to someone else. Not just empty religion, but real revival. And listen, just, just, just for a second, with your heads bowed and your eyes closed, let me just tell you something. Real revival doesn't start outside of you, it starts inside of you. It doesn't start as an external. It starts when God plants a seed on the inside of you and that begins to grow. God uses everything else. But until you get a hunger down deep on the inside of you that says, God, I'm going after you. It doesn't matter if my spouse is. It doesn't matter if my kids are. It doesn't matter if my church. God, I'm going after you. And I, I want to have a hunger and a desire for you. Do something in me, God, that you've never done before. Lord, I pray for that desire to come up on the inside of us. come up on the inside of us. 
Listen, as we close out this, this service today, we're going to come to the table. There's a table, tables in back, tables in front. And we're going to be reminded of the cross and the victory. See, Jesus died and he rose from the dead, not so that we could live empty religion, but so we could live a life full of the power of God. And so when we take the juice, I want you to be reminded of the blood that was spilled to purchase the price for not just for your sins. Listen to this. Oh man, I don't have time to preach this sermon. I'm gonna say it now and then maybe I'll be able to preach it some other day. See, so many of us, we are thankful for the grace of God that's come to cover our past. How many of you guys are thankful for that? It's hard to turn with just one hand. Let me show you something. Jude chapter one, because there's only one, if you didn't know. It says, uh, but you, beloved, building yourself up in your most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in the love of God, waiting for the mercy of our Lord Jesus that leads to eternal life. And have mercy on those who doubt. Save others by snatching them out of the fire to show mercy, show others mercy with fear, hating even the garment stained by the flesh. Now, watch this. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy. Do you realize the cross doesn't just cover your past? You realize grace doesn't just work backwards, but grace is, works forward? We don't just have past grace, we have future grace. The, the grace of God, the power of God, the encounter with God doesn't just keep you from, from being wrong, it actually keeps you right because of God's grace. And so when we come to the table, we're reminded not just, oh, my sins, oh, I'm so sorry. That's fine. But we're also, by faith, stepping into a a new way of living and saying, God, I thank you that I, I am enabled by your power and your strength to live a life full of the life of God, full of your power. Lord, we thank you for that. As we come to the table, we're reminded of that. Lord, we step into that by faith. We step into our grace-filled future by faith right now in this present, in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's come and let's receive. And back at your seat, you can receive sometime during the song.